welcome to Lunchtime Live. I'm Kim Pullen. And in this edition, we're going to talk about the control illusion after sexual betrayal. So what usually happens is after we find out our husband has been unfaithful to us, we start white knuckling it. And we're basically holding on for dear life. So um, if it's like if we let go of the wheel, we're going to crash. And so we have this, this illusion that we are actually in control of what's going on in our life. So um, we're going to talk about that and how that it really is the fact that we have never had control of what's going on in our life. So let me introduce myself first. For those of you, this is the first time you're coming to the Lunchtime Live. My name is Kim Pullen. I am the founder and creator of Hope for Spouses. And I did that because I have a passion for helping women who have been stuck in the bondage, the enslavement, the, the prison of the aftermath of their spouse's sexual betrayal, whether that's pornography or it's adultery. And the reason I do this is because I went through this myself. My husband committed, uh, committed infidelity. He was unfaithful to me many times. And then we actually ended up separating for four years while I worked on myself and he worked on himself. That was um, seven years ago that we actually separated. And then four years ago, we were reunited after a lot of heart changes. And since that time, we've had uh, developed an amazing relationship, an amazing marriage beyond what I ever could have imagined we would ever be able to have after such trauma. But a lot of it took me really changing myself so I would be prepared to really have this amazing marriage that we have right now. So before we move any further, I want to make sure we clearly define what sexual addiction is. Uh, infidelity first is when our spouse has an either an emotional or sexual affair with somebody outside of our marriage which is not with us and then sexual addiction is if it's repeated and then also if they're addicted to pornography they are watching or and or masturbating to porn so and they can't stop they just keep repeating it that's a sexual addiction so our 9-11 okay when I say 9-11 that is the day our life imploded that is the day that our dream, all these plans we have for our life basically evaporated in front of our eyes. And it's a day that we'll remember forever. I remember I was in my garage and we were having this discussion. And I remember exactly what it felt like if I start thinking about it, I get my heart starts being a little faster because we have so many triggers based on that memory. All of us can remember where we were when the Twin Towers fell. And it's the same feeling. It's that, that it's like it's stamped indelibly into our brain. And so after that, we make every effort we can to put the shattered pieces back together again. But just like they couldn't put back the Twin Towers after it fall, fell, the, both of them, we can't put back the shattered pieces of our marriage. We're trying desperately. And that's where the control issue comes in. Now, if you guys are just coming in, go ahead and make sure you sign in. Let me know that you're here because I am going to ask a few questions as we get in, and I would love to get some input from you guys from those questions. So basically, this control thing that we have, what happens is what we do is once we get hurt in that way, the reason we try to take control is we're trying to control the amount of pain that we're going to feel after that. We're afraid of there's, that there's more, that they haven't told us everything. Like, if they lied about this... Like, who is this person? We don't even know who they are. We thought they were this person and they were this person, really. And so we're terrified 
of the other lies that are going to come out, the betrayal, the more of the betrayal that's going to come out that hasn't already come out. So we're trying to shield ourselves from the pain so that we don't feel anymore because we can't take it anymore. That's what we feel. We can't handle any more lies and deception. So the level of trust has been broken and we feel like a fool. Uh, sometimes we isolate and nobody knows. Our family doesn't know. Our closest friends don't know. Nobody knows that this is going on. And so we isolate because, again, we're trying to control what other people think about us. Uh, if somebody says at work, how are you doing? We, we feel like we're going to collapse in a puddle on the floor if we even begin to start explaining the how we're feeling because we're trying so hard to maintain this emotional control over our life. If we just crack the top of it, it'll explode. And, and then we won't be able to come back from that. So we do everything we can to maintain that control because it's it's all we know to do at that point. And we'll maybe even start obsessing if, if they haven't uh, completely owned it if they blame you, then they're still off doing things. If they haven't repented, if, if they are not fully open with their life, then they haven't repented. It says that in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, that we can know exactly what the repentance looks like. But if they're not doing that, then we're probably running around trying to track them or chase them down. Um, we may use our GPS on their phone to try to track them. Where are they? Where are they supposed to be? Why aren't they there? This is very common that, that women often do this. But what's, what really happens also is we start to change ourselves. And we do, we do that because we're trying to preserve something that is gone. And so, for example, when my husband, prior to me finding out about the, his sexual betrayal, I changed myself. I started dressing differently. I started dressing a little sexier. Um, I... Um, got my nails done and I uh, started wearing things that, that he liked that were more worldly that weren't what I like to wear but what he wanted me to wear. I'm a tomboy by nature and so I'm not really into the frilly stuff but he likes that. And so I changed myself to compromise because I wanted to retain our relationship as desperately as I could. So in so many ways I gave up my own personal identity who I am in order to hold on to my husband. And when I found out that he had been unfaithful for a long time, I realized it had nothing to do with me. His sin was his sin. It had nothing to do with me. There was nothing I could do to change him. And what we can also do, and, and this has scared me, I've heard some women say this, is that they know that their spouse is having sex outside of their marriage and yet when their spouse comes home and their spouse wants to have sex with them, they have sex with their spouse, knowing that they could be putting themselves in literally physical harm from a sexually transmitted disease. You don't know where your husband's putting his penis, okay? And if he is, if, if, if he is out there, if he's not open, if he's not repentant, and you don't know for sure that he is being truthful and honest with you, and you're having sex with, sex with him, then you're putting your own life in danger. That is a major compromise, major compromise of truth and righteousness before God. You've got you to take care of yourself. You've got to love yourself. Mark 12 says when, when somebody came to Jesus and said, what are the greatest commandments? The second one was love your neighbor as you were loving yourself. In other words, if you're not loving yourself, you can't be loving other people. It is not loving to your spouse 
for you to have sex with him when you know or you suspect that he is having sex with other people. That's violating yourself. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, and what can also happen is if they continue in their unrepentance, that we stay in the same kind of relationship with them, but that relationship is broken. And unless they show those signs of repentance in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, an earnestness, an eagerness to clear themselves, an indignation, an alarm, a readiness to see justice done. If they don't have those qualities in their character, if they're still defensive, if they're still blaming you or they're blaming a situation, then they have not repented. And you have to set clear boundaries for your own safety, mental health, physical health. If you have children, for your kids. So it's not just a matter of you trying to get this dream back, this elusive dream, trying to control thing that's something that's out of your control. But it's really understanding that you have no control of what your spouse does. The only control you have is over the choices that you make. So if you've tuned in, I want you to go ahead and type in how have you maybe changed yourself or compromised to keep your spouse or hold on to that dream that was your marriage. So how have you changed yourself or compromised to keep your spouse and hold on to this elusive thing called your dream of a marriage that you anticipated, that you thought about, you know, the day that you were getting married, this is what you were looking forward to. How have you compromised? Okay. And then, um, how have you been trying to wrestle control for your marriage? All right, so go ahead and type that in and then we'll come back to that question. All right, now like I was saying, it is an illusion when we try to maintain control. The reality is that our dream, this thing that we were so looking forward to in this relationship is gone. Just as, just as sure as the Twin Towers are gone, they're dust, the rubble has been removed, our old marriage is gone once that devastation is hit. We cannot control that. It's gone, okay? And we have no idea what we're doing when we're trying to pull these fragments of these pieces back together. It's never gonna come back the way it was, okay? Now think about this. You're trying to control something that is outside of really your ability to control. When you have a hard time, I know I do, controlling what you eat, when you go shopping, saying no to yourself, gossiping, judging other people with judgmental thoughts. I mean, driving the speed limit, okay? We have a hard time controlling those things. And then we're gonna try to control our spouse. We're gonna try to control how much pain comes our way from what our spouse does. It's not possible. We can't do that, okay? The reality is that the heart of our need to control is fear. The heart of our need to control is fear. We don't want to get hurt again. We don't want to be lied to again. We don't want to feel like a fool again. And, and I mean, that's, that's the gut level honesty. We are afraid. So we're doing everything we can to protect ourselves. All right? Now, are, is that something you're afraid of? Are you afraid of getting hurt again? All right? Okay, thank you. Uh, Natalie says, I was willing to settle for less than what I deserve. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're willing to settle for less. And God's standard is so much higher than ours. And that's what God eventually wants us to get to. 
but we're afraid of getting hurt. And we, so we stay in this familiar place because it's easier to stay where something is familiar than venture out into something that's unfamiliar. Even if it's healthier for us, sometimes we'll stay in that unhealthy place because it's what's familiar. So when we, when we um, try to maintain this control that is an illusion, what we're really basically telling God is God can't handle what's going on in our life. That God isn't powerful enough to take care of what's going on in our life. And so we have to take over. We have to wrest the wheel from God because he's not doing a good enough job. He's not protecting us. He's not doing his job in what we agreed to. When we committed to follow him, he said he was going to take care of us and he's not taking care of us. That's what I thought. I was like, God, I've served you. I've done all these things for you. Why would you let this happen to me? And I had to wrestle with that because it, it didn't make any sense to me. That's because my thinking was wrong. So I have tried to make God a life preserver and God is not a life preserver. He's not there just when we need him. Anytime you know, he call, you know, we call, he comes running, he's gonna take care of, he's not, our, he's not our, our cosmic butler. He's not a genie that we call when we need help. And when we'll, we can use God when he's convenient. But when he, doesn't do th when he doesn't allow things to happen in our life that we want to, we get mad at him. And the, the truth is what we start doing is we base our, our convictions on our feelings instead of on God's word that is unchanging. Our feelings become our master. We're our fears. We're terrified of, of what's gonna come down the pipe instead of taking our convictions and the truth back to what does God's word say? And so really this third layer of the illusion of control is, is really calling it what it is. And it's idolatry. When we're trying to control our life, when we're trying to control what's happening in our life, we, God calls that idolatry. And it's, it's the first two commandments of the Big Ten in Deuteronomy 5. So God knew that this would be a challenge for us. He knew it would be. And so that's why it's up at the top. Now, we don't bow down to our husbands, but we do definitely try to, to, try to take control from God because we feel like we know what's best. I think it's part of the mom nature in us. So, all right, uh, question here. Jody says, can you share some examples of appropriate boundaries other than not continuing to have sex? How much contact should we have? Right now we have uh, business financial contact only. Um, Jody, I'm gonna give you a, a chance. Up. Maybe you and I can talk about that separately. You can PM me and we can set that up and we can uh, talk about that on an individual basis because I wanna stay on topic here for this. Um, so what kind of things have you kept on doing even though you hated when you did it? Okay, so that's what happens when we are falling into this idolatry. We're doing things we know in our mind that we shouldn't be doing those things. In fact, if you really are honest with self, you start feeling guilty because you are doing things that they don't feel good in your heart. Something's not right. You know that this is not producing what you wanted it to. It's not working. And so something's not right. So you're trying to rest control. Now, in Romans 7, 15, I'm going to read that scripture. It says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Sound familiar? That's also what an addict feels like. So 
if you have been obsessed trying to control this thing and can't stop yourself from checking your husband's phone, can't stop yourself from looking under his records or, or calling him every five minutes to see where he is or texting him, what are you doing? You have given into the same compulsion that your husband has for his sexual addiction. I know that's not nice to hear. I know we don't want to hear that, but that is the nature of our sin is that idolatry. We keep looking for something to cover up the pain in our heart. Our husband's medicating their sin with sex. We medicate it with control or food or shopping or whatever. So what we need is a transformation. What we need is faith. What we need is righteousness that comes from God's word. We need help and we need a strategy, okay? We need a new dream, we need a new life. And that doesn't necessarily mean with a new spouse. We can change and we can be different. Even if our spouse choose, chooses to stay where he is and chooses not to repent, it doesn't mean that our life is over. It doesn't mean that we can't set healthy boundaries, okay? So three things that we need for any great endeavor, for any great transformation, there's three things that we absolutely need. The first is a strategic plan, okay? We need a plan that works. Now, books are awesome. I love books. I get books all the time. I have a budget, um, a budget in my family budget for books every month because I love learning. But books are not the, the magic bullet to healing. Support groups are awesome. We desperately need them, but they are not the magic bullet either. Counseling, necessary, especially if you have your own issues from your past absolutely necessary, but it is not a magic bullet for healing. You can't drag your spouse to a counseling session and expect your marriage to change. If your spouse is not ready to change, he's not going to change. The only person you have any power over is yourself, but you have to have a strategy. How do you use those things? How do you put them together? Okay. You also have to have somebody to walk alongside you. If you are doing this on your own, if you don't have strong, supportive, a group, you know, a tribe of truth seekers. If you don't have a guide to walk you through this, who has walked this path before, then you're going to be stumbling around the woods. You're going to be stumbling around in the dark, not knowing where you're going. Okay. So strategy and a guide. Okay. It's like the two wings of an airplane. God is the wind underneath the airplane, keeping you up, but you need a strategy and you need a guide. Okay. Those are two things. The third thing you need is something I can't give you. I can give you the strategy. I have the strategy, okay? It's working for the people that are my clients right now. I'm your experienced guide. I've been there. I've done it. I'm, my marriage is amazing. I've seen where people have come and gone, and I know what works, okay? But the one thing that I can't give you is the thing that you have to supply, and that's courageous faith, okay? You have, that's the engine that flies the plane. If that engine is not driving the plane, it doesn't matter what strategy that you have. It doesn't matter who you have at your side. You're going to plummet straight to the ground. Okay, so you absolutely need courageous faith. So if you have that courageous faith, I want you to schedule a call with me. Okay, you can go to hopeforspouses.com slash apply. Okay, there's a qualifier, qualifier for this. Again, I said there's no magic bullet. You have to be willing to work really, really hard because this is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. It is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life, okay? If you're ready to get out of your hell, to find peace, confidence, and security, 
all right? If this is not just a fight for your marriage, okay? This is not just a fight for your life. If you have been using this control over and over again and you find it impossible to change, if you're obsessing, then you actually, your salvation is on the line. Revelations 21.8 equates idolatry with sexual immorality, with lying, with unfaithfulness. Okay, so if we are idolizing ourselves in place of God, we are actually jeopardizing our salvation. So if you really want to change, if you really want to make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do, I want you to schedule a breakthrough call with me. Hopeforspouses.com slash apply. And then this Thursday, okay, this Thursday, we have an evening edition of Lunchtime Live, special evening edition. I'm going to try to do those maybe once or twice a month, okay, for some people that work and they can't get in during the day. And we're going to talk about the long-term impact of your spouse's sexual betrayal on your kids. Pretty big deal. It's pretty scary. Okay, let me see if I had any other questions. Um, okay, so Nancy says, very afraid of getting hurt. Pretty much all you are saying I have done and I'm doing, trying to control all of these things. One thing that drives me most crazy is wondering what he's doing when he is alone uh, or I may think you meant online. Yes, very common fear. Very, very common fear. It does, it drives us crazy. So we have to transform our thinking. Romans 12 uh, 12, 1 through 2 talks about transforming our mind so that we can test and approve what God's pleasing and perfect will is. Well, how do we transform our mind? With the scriptures, okay? We transform them with the unchanging power of God's word. And then we have people in our life that can really help us to really discern whether we're leaning too far to our feelings or we need to be driven back to God's word. So we need people that can help us to do that. All right, one more. Um, it is so hard to let go. This is Jane. It's so hard to let go and give God all my worries and fears, but so worth it. I don't have peace all the time, but getting more peace every day from God. Absolutely. It's like being on a, on a ship in the middle of a storm. Really? That's really what it comes down to. You, you, there's times where the waves are a little bit easier and you can do this. And then there's times where you're just holding on for dear life. That is absolutely true. And I felt that for years, I felt that and it is, but it, it's, it gets easier, but if you're doing it the right way, if you are not really implementing those three things, a, a strategy, a guide, and the courageous faith to get through it, if you don't have those, then you're, you are, you're going to be overboard, okay? And I don't want that. I, I talk to too many women every day, and it breaks my heart to hear where they're at. It breaks my heart, and I don't want that for you. I don't want it for anybody. So please give me a call, schedule a call at hopeforspouses.com slash apply. It's a free call. We'll get on the phone about 45 minutes and I promise you, we'll bring you to clarity. And if there's an obstacle that I can help you get out of the way, I will help you to do that. If I can't, I'll be honest with you if I can't. But if I can, I will help you in any way, okay? All right, so that's it. Ran a little bit over time, but thanks for coming guys. And I will see you back on the Facebook group. And also don't forget Thursday's evening edition of Lunchtime Live at 7.30. We're going to talk about how your spouse's sexual uh, betrayal has impacted your kids and will impact them probably for the rest of their life and how you can help limit that. Okay? Have a great day.